Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Navigating Babylon by Pastor Sean Wood. You know how we've done church for, for many years. Most of us have done church for many years and we've talked about faith and we've talked about how, you know, God's got us in the hard times and all that sort of stuff. Tomorrow when you get out of bed, that matters. Ooh, when I was playing football, I can remember we used to do pre-season training. And in pre-season training, we would, we would talk about the skills. We would talk about tactics. We would talk about philosophy. The coach would address us about everything that was going on. Great talks. Awesome. We were pumped up. We were all going to make the finals. It was all great. We always left training on a high. But then when round one came, the coach's address 10 minutes before we ran out on the field was vastly different than all of the pre-season. Why? Because it was just about mattered now. You know everything we've talked about? He says it matters now. Because everything that we've talked about and everything that we agree to, we're about to put it into action in about five minutes when we run out on the ground. And right now I want to give you that address five minutes before we run out on the ground. I want everybody to know that according to the authorities of Australia, what we're currently experiencing right now is probably going to last for six months to the end of the year. That's what they're saying. That might be the case. It might end sooner. It might end later. I'm not God. I don't know. But I think we need to be prepared. And in thinking about this, by the way, we were working our way through Romans. I had an awesome sermon prepared for this Sunday. Uh, But before most of the announcements of this week, I, I had already decided that we need to take a different tack this week. And when I looked at the Bible, I understood that God's people have come against hard times Many times in the past, I want to talk about one in particular that sounds a little bit like us today and how they navigated those hard times right now, what is happening to the church. If we go into lockdown, you guys can't come here. That's how it works. Um, And I want to describe a difference between diplomacy today and defiance. And there's an enormous difference between defiance and diplomacy. We are not going to be defiant because it doesn't glorify God. We're going to be diplomatic. I want to share with you the story of four very diplomatic people. If we go back to the history of Israel, uh, there was a time uh, in the time of Jeremiah. Jeremiah the prophet was given a word from the Lord. And spare a thought for Jeremiah because at the age of 12, God said, you need to go and stand before the king and tell him this. And if you read the book of Jeremiah, I wouldn't stand before my dad and tell him what Jeremiah had to say to the king. How disrespectful in some respects. But he stood up and announced to the king that if you don't change your ways, if you don't repent, then such and such is going to happen. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying this morning that coronavirus is from God. I'm not saying that the circumstances that surround us are necessarily from God or God's judgment on us. We need to take our heads out of the book of Revelation for five minutes and let's just focus on what do we do right now? Because the situation these guys found themselves in was after much warning and after many people in the city of Jerusalem saying, this is God's city. This is where God's temple is. This is where God lives. They were wrong. God left a long time ago because behind the curtain, there was no presence left. But this is God's, have a look at the size of the walls, they said. Have a look at the temples. We will never be destroyed. King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon, he set up camp once and Jeremiah said, he's going to leave this time, but he'll be back. And he left and they all went, yeah, you see, 
You know, God's, God's got us. He's, we're all good. Well, nothing's going to happen. And then we fast forward to Daniel in Babylon with three of his mates. And I bet you they're thinking life's a little bit unfair. Because now they find themselves away from Jerusalem. Now they find that their home has been destroyed. Likely his parents have perished. Spare a thought for Daniel because he was put into the charge of the chief of eunuchs. And if you know what that means, it means that Daniel all of a sudden became a eunuch. And Daniel was faced with an enormous amount of circumstances surrounding him that he had no control over. For the men that were here in Mark Connor came, I want to share with you one of his analogies. Uh, Mark Connor had a hula hoop. I thought this was a great way to describe it. And he put the hoop on the floor and he stood inside of the hoop and he said, right now, what is inside of this hoop, I can control. I want everybody to know right now that if you were standing inside of a hula hoop, that is what you physically have control over right now. You have no control over the coronavirus. You have no control over any restrictions that the government's going to bring down. You have no control over anything else except how you react right now. Daniel and his three mates found themselves in Babylon and all they could control was what was going on right there and then. They could only control their response and their attitude. Let's, let's have a look at Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave, underline those words, circle those words and highlight those words. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. We have the benefit of hindsight, but those three words highlight something that we all need to understand as we press forward. God is in control. God has not surrendered his power. God has not abdicated the throne. God is still in control. And if we read scripture, we understand Isaiah prophesied and said, Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is everywhere. God is not currently self-isolating. God is in control. The Lord gave. And so we find that Daniel and his three mates find themselves in Babylon. And of course, their three mates are Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Uh, Not Abednego, that's a place in Victoria. And Abednego. And they were actually the names that were given to them. And let's let's have a read down. Uh, Let's start maybe at verse 5. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate. Now, this is what Babylon did. When Babylon conquered another country, they took the best. They took took the young guys, the best. uh, Daniel, maybe 16. Maybe 16. No parents. He's just seen his home and everything destroyed. Ezekiel the prophet. Ezekiel the prophet was in line for the greatest ministry. His life was mapped out for him. He was born into the heritage. He was being trained as a priest. And he finds himself in the same place that Daniel does. And something very amazing happened. Daniel opened the word of God because everybody is in exile. And everybody's going, this won't last long. We'll only be here a couple of weeks. We'll only be here for two or three weeks and and God will rescue us and take us back. We'll just pray a little bit harder and all those sorts of things. And Daniel read through the prophecies of Jeremiah and said, no, get comfortable. Jeremiah said 70 years. Jeremiah said, buy some property. That's what he said. He said, while you're there, buy some property. 
settle down. And there are a portion of God's people that never left. They are called the dispersion or the diaspora. Nothing wrong with that. They were educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. But have a look at what Babylon does. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. I don't know why they could have used Fred. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. A little bit more about the other three in a moment. I want to focus on Daniel. But here's what Babylon's trying to do. Babylon is attempting to change who they are. And every one of these names here is a name after the gods of Babylon. And so we're trying to change the identity. We want to indoctrinate. That's what they do. They teach you the Babylonian language. You eat at the king's table. You, you eat the leftovers from the king's table. You're, you're in the king's court. You now speak a different way. You now think a different way. And you now act a different way. That's how, and we're going to give you new names because you've got a whole new identity. We have a choice right now whether everything that's going on around us, we're going to allow that to change us or whether we're going to remain the same. That's the choice that each and every one of us have. So what do we do? Number one. And Daniel resolved, underline, highlight, circle that word as much as you can. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. The word resolved simply means a firm determination to do something. Daniel had already firmly determined that no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, I am not going to dishonour God. And step number one of navigating Babylon, whatever happens on the church scene, whatever it looks like, however many numbers we're allowed to congregate in in the future, can I tell you this? Resolve now that whatever happens, I am going to honour God. In fact, we could do with a little bit more resolve. Resolve that no matter what happens, I'm still going to embrace church. I'm still going to embrace community. I'm still going to embrace the word of God. Do we love church or do we love God? We're all about to find out. Right now, as I am speaking, I am in a much more fortunate position than some pastors. But right now there are pastors preaching to empty rooms. Live streaming. More about that later. Spare a thought for Scott Morrison and spare a thought for the pastors of the world. They are navigating very turbulent and dirty waters that we've never walked through before. Right now, let's just take our steps back a little bit. Let's pray for Scott Morrison. He's probably not going to make all the right decisions. Maybe when we look back in hindsight in six months, we'll say he should have moved faster. He could have moved slower. He should have got... Who knows? Who knows? But I tell you right now, one thing I know, I wouldn't like his job right now. What he needs is our prayers, not our criticism. This is uncertain times for all of us. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. So what does Daniel do? God gave Daniel favour and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition? What's going on here? Daniel comes to him and says, we can't eat the meat from the king's table. We can't do that and honour God. Here's what defiance looks like. Defiance looks like, I don't care what you do, I'm not going to eat that. And defiance would have got the whole four of them killed in an instant. 
Here's what diplomacy does. And I now want to, anybody here ever called of diplomatic immunity? Everybody ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to introduce a new term into the church. It's called diplomatic community. And the diplomacy of Daniel, first of all, is this. He says, you know what? We want to honour God and we can understand your position, the chief of the eunuchs. I'm going to paraphrase and we'll be reading all day. So what he says is, he says, you know what? He says, uh, uh, why don't you just let us eat vegetables for 10 days? And if we're any worse than anybody else, we'll, we'll go your way. Well, let's just see. And after 10 days, what happens? They're better off. Not only are you eating vegetables, Daniel, the rest of everybody else is eating vegetables as well. Okay, and all the vegans said, amen. <clears throat> uh, we, we understand that the vegans will probably, the vegans go shopping whenever they like. Because <laughs> no one's eating the vegan food, right? So it's, you go shopping whenever you like. But something happens in chapter 2, which I think is enormously important for each one of us to embrace as we move forward. Something that we must not lose, and I'll share how we're going to do that as a church. Because what happens is, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream in chapter 2, and he lays down the gauntlet, and he says, this time, I'm not going to tell you my dream and ask for the interpretation, because you guys just tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> China! But aside from all of that, Yeah, we'll cut that out of the video. <laughs> Otherwise, this guy's not travelling internationally for some time. But he says, you know what, this time you can tell me my dream as well as you can tell me the interpretation. Now, there's a challenge. And when they can't do it, Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to knock you all off because you're all liars and you're all fakes and you're all phonies. It's interesting how when the pressure comes on, how we will begin to see what is fake and phony, by the way. There are people outside of these walls right now, they are filling our supermarkets and they are clambering for hope and we have an opportunity. I don't think this is a time for the church to to recede. This is not a time when we survive. We're going to thrive because we have a hope that transcends toilet paper on the shelves. (laughs) We'll keep going. So what happens is Daniel approaches and says, diplomatically, maybe there's another way here. Give me an audience with the king before you knock us off. Okay, that's agreed. Have a look at what Daniel does immediately. I was greatly encouraged when I read this. Verse 17, then Daniel went to his house, chapter 2, verse 17, and he made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and he told them to seek mercy from God. What does Daniel do? He goes to his community. (laughs) He says, we've got a problem here. Uh, Imagine if Daniel was on his own right now. Uh, what happens to sheep that are out on their own? They get knocked off. What happens to ships in the night if there's nothing to navigate? No, no communications. What happens? We're all in trouble. But what Daniel does is he goes back to his community and says, let's pray. And they pray and God gives, I love how Daniel translates that, God gives the interpretation to Daniel. And In verse 28 of chapter 2, Daniel is talking to Nebuchadnezzar and says, you know, none of us here can give you the answer you want. But I love these words in verse 28, but there is a God. And right now, to the medical profession, to the politicians surrounding the globe, you know what? Mankind hasn't got answers. But there is a God 
There is a God that has all of the answers. There is a God that will keep us and protect us. There is a God in whom we trust. Step one, we must resolve within ourselves that we're not going to change and we're not going to allow anything else to change us. Step two, we must embrace a diplomatic community. I want to be absolutely clear right now. If the government says tomorrow no more than 20, we will meet no more than 20. Right now, we're under the 100 in this room. We have, yes, we have measured the square meterage. Yes, we come into the compliance. Yes, we have moved children. Yes, we have put the signs up. Yes, we have got plenty of soap. And yes, we stocked up on toilet paper. <laughs> Proverbs 21.31 says that we prepare the horse for battle, but God gives the victory. And what that means is we do everything we can in our power. We be wise, we be responsible, we be diplomatic, and we allow God to give us the victory moving forward. All right. Now I want to talk about three guys that I think really speaks to our time. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Uh, What is going to happen with the coronavirus? I couldn't tell you. Do you know, uh, you've got to be careful what you listen to. Don't listen to anything coming out of China, FYI. If the Chinese stand up and say anything, don't believe them. Please don't believe them. But uh, the other day I heard a report on Facebook that the calculations have been done and apparently they have estimated that at least 700,000 people in Tasmania will get the coronavirus. Friends, please listen to me when I tell you this. I'm not 100% sure the 700,000 people in Tasmania... Please be careful what you listen to out there. We, we, we need to be cautious and we need to be careful, but uh, I'm not sure there's 700,000 people in Tasmania. And I'm not sure what's going to happen. And that's a little bit like three other guys that were told to bow down and worship to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar built this awesome statue of himself. <laughs> the same guy that's going to eat grass in chapter 4, by the way, so be careful with pride. <clears throat> But what happens is he builds this enormous statue of himself and declares that everybody must bow down and worship him. And and everybody comes and says, you know what, we're all doing what we're told, but these Jews over here, they're not going to bow down. And Nebuchadnezzar says, well, you bring him in front of me and we'll see what happens. I I love this verse. This this rocks the faith world of most people. Verse 16 of chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered the king, who declared that they must bow down and worship. They answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. I love those words. (laughs) We're not even having a discussion here, Nebuchadnezzar. You're talking to yourself. Verse 17, if this be so, they've just been threatened to be thrown into the fiery furnace. If this be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us. Number one, I want to encourage everybody in this place. God is able to do whatever he wants to do. Does anybody want to know what God's doing next? Whatever he wants to do. Why? Because he's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's the almighty God. He can do whatever he wants to do. I want to tell everybody in this place, God could stop the coronavirus tomorrow. God is able God is able to protect you. God is able to keep you. God is able to sustain you. God is able. But here's three words that nobody likes. Let's keep reading. See if we can find them. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. (laughs) Verse 18, but if not, hmm, circle those ones. (laughs) Everyone's Bible misses those three words, you know. (laughs) Most translators go, well, leave those three out. No, they don't. Of course they don't. But if not, these three guys say, if not, let it be known to you, O king, we're not going to bow down. 
You can chuck us in the furnace. And you know what? Whatever, whatever social implications, I, personally, uh, social isolation, isolating myself is great for fishermen. All the fly fishermen in the world just went, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello, my boss. I'm self-isolating for two weeks on a lake somewhere. These guys say, you know what, but if not, I don't know whether I will get the coronavirus, I don't know whether you will get the coronavirus, my God is able to rescue me from coronavirus, but if not, nothing will change for me. You know why? Because God will be no less glorious no matter what happens. God would still deserve all of my praise and all of my glory, and my faith, here's one we all need to grab hold of, your faith won't be any weaker. It's not because you haven't got enough faith. These guys here right now are about to get chucked into the furnace and they've got more faith than half the Pentecostal church put together in Australia right now. They've got more faith than me, I can tell you that. These guys' faith looks like we won't bow down. We're we're not going to change who we are. Yes, all right, no worries. If, If it's 20 people, we'll do 20 people. Whatever this virus does, we're still the people of God, we're still the community of God and we will always be the community of God. You won't take that away. The interesting thing to note about the furnace, and again, this isn't a prophecy, but I'd like to speak to this time from these verses. These three guys went through the furnace, and when, and when Nebuchadnezzar looked in, he realised something. There wasn't three, there was four. And there was one that looked like the son of God. Uh, God may not rescue you from the furnace. I guarantee you this, you'll go through the furnace with you. But here's the most important thing, and this is what I think is the message for the church today that we can embrace, is when they left the furnace, not one hair on their eyebrow, not one hair on their head was singed, only the ropes that bound them. And it just may be that the church has got to go through a little bit of an uncomfortable, inconvenient time so that some of the ropes fall off. This is not a negative thing for the church of Jesus Christ. This is positive. Now, priorities are going to be sifted. Now, church is about more than, what, more than the pizzazz that happens on Sunday because now the pizzazz for most is happening to an empty audience. <laughs> Plenty of people watching online, but it's different. But if not, we will not bow down. And here's the one thing I want to tell everybody, what you can do right now, today, moving forward, today, tomorrow, the next day. You know, when Daniel, in chapter six, when he's about to be thrown into the lion's den, before we get there, some wily folk had decided to go behind the back and try and get the then king. By the way, Daniel survives four kings. Here's something amazing about Daniel. In all of that hardship, This is why I think this is an amazing opportunity for the church. Because in all of that hardship, in all of that exile, when he had all of the excuses to just eat the king's food and do as he was told, it's the only time in scripture we see that one of the most evil kings we've ever known was converted to God. And that was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar and all the other ones, Belteshazzar, he gets a a wake-up call. Ever heard the saying, the writing on the wall? (laughs) That's where it comes from. The writing's on the wall. If anybody says that to you, then start looking at the walls because it wasn't good for him. But Daniel survives four kings. Here's another thing. Daniel actually never returns to Jerusalem. He witnesses the first wave go back. He stays in Babylon. Interesting. 
you know what? Church may change. Church has changed now. How we do church will change because I'm about to announce how that looks like in the near distant future. But how we used to do church may not be how we do church after all of this has subsided. And friends, it will subside. When we had the SARS virus, they said this wouldn't end and everyone was going to die. Eight months later, it ended. Okay? This will end. There is light at the end of the tunnel. The fog will lift. But things may be different. But here's what we should do. Nothing changed for Daniel. Chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, so there's a document that's now basically signed his death, death warrant, he went to this house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. Here's something Daniel did all the time that he's decided nothing's changed. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God. Nothing changed for Daniel. Documents got signed, death looming over his head. Nothing changed. I'm going to pray. And right now, can I encourage everybody, nothing needs to change. We still serve the same God. We can't meet in certain parameters like we used to be able to. We still serve the same God. He hasn't changed. He's still the same. And we still do need to do exactly what we were doing before. I want to make this statement that we will not survive the current circumstances. I have decided as a church that we will thrive. And as the people of God, we will thrive through this. I've decided that we don't need to slow down at all. We need to grow in these times. And I have a question for everybody in this room. Will you let what is happening change you and diminish your faith? Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.